0: Up to 90% of employees who experience sexual harassment do not report it.
1: Black people who commit the same crime as white men have an average of receiving sentences 20% longer.
2: An estimated 20,000 prisoners in the U.S. prisons today are said to be falsely convicted.
1: Hey all my name is Ashley.
2: My name is Alex.
1: And my name's Zina. And welcome to Where's the Justice? Today you'll hear about three different legal justice issues with connecting legal concerns. I'll be on the topic
0: of incarceration.
2: I will be on the topic of false conviction.
0: And I will be discussing the topic sexual harassment in the workplace. Sexual harassment can happen at any moment and any time. Sexual harassment is when someone is attacked physically, mentally, or emotionally without their consent. Sexual harassment can include cohering or manipulating someone into participating in any undesirable sexual act. In correlation with this, I will be talking about the new Sexual Harassment Bill of the Department of Justice of Canada and how it has been implemented to help judges when evaluating sexual harassment cases. I will also be discussing rights and duties of employees and employers within the workplace system and sexual harassment incidences, as well as how one in five women are raped, and rape kits are essential when providing evidence to the court, and rape can happen as a form of sexual harassment in the workplace as well. I will also be discussing power and authority and equity and equality.
2: The issue that I am going to be discussing is wrongful convictions. Wrongful convictions is where somebody is put in jail or penalized um, even though they weren't the ones who committed the crime. This is mostly due to the faults in the court of law, or by police, or by by bystanders, or by lack of evidence. This causes huge problems in the legal system, the penal system, everything, because it means that a lot of criminals get to go free while somebody else takes their punishment. A lot of people find that wrong nowadays, and people believe that the um, police should take more care in gathering proper evidence in order to prove that people are guilty or not guilty, and this is the topic that I will be discussing.
1: The topic I will be discussing is incarceration, which is basically imprisonment. There are many issues with imprisonment and its processes. For one, we're seeing inconsistent sentencing and instances where some people in society are being underpunished and overpunished for their crimes or deviant behavior. Inconsistent sentencing, which can be referred to as um, racial disparity in the context of incarceration rates, can essentially be explained by the phrase, same crime, more time. It usually occurs as a result of racial discrimination where black people, people of color, indigenous peoples, or other minorities receive higher sentences than a white person would for the exact same crime or act of deviance. So uh, now that we've established what inconsistent sentencing is, what is the issue with it? Why might inconsistent sentencing be a problem?
0: I feel that inconsistent sentencing would be a problem because... Individuals don't have the right to, you know, speak up and say, well, this is not right, this is unjust. And yet the public hushes them for that, and that is wrong. However, I do believe that a defendant like Harvey Weinstein should serve a longer sentence due to the severity of his crimes. He was an individual of high power, and he worked in the movie industry, and he abused his power to sexually harass as well as rape women. Over 80 women have come forth and said that they've been sexually harassed by Harvey Weinstein. And I feel that this is wrong. And it's an employee's right to feel safe in the working environment. And it's an employer's duty to to ensure that they provide a safe environment for their employees. And when you look at applying the Human Rights Code, it stipulates that every individual has the right to be free from unwelcome advances or solicitations. And employers have a duty to take steps to prevent and respond to sexual harassment in the working environment. And they must be sure that their workspaces respect human rights. And from looking at this from a human rights perspective, it's unacceptable to ignore sexual harassment, regardless of whether someone formally complained or made a human rights complaint. It's just wrong and it needs to be addressed.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like when you search it up, certain cases where people get um, unfair sentences, you don't find like the answers right away, especially because um, not a lot of people don't speak up or like realize when a sentence is
0: not necessarily um, fair. Right. And then people don't want to talk about it. Like you said, you Google it and you can't find anything about it or you Google it, but it only becomes big when a lot of people come forth and you basically have democracy there. And then when when you have just like one person, you know, talking about it, Not many people hear about it and you have a lot of people talk about um these issues of you know sexual harassment and incarceration and
2: i would have to agree i'd have to say that inconsistent censorship is a very big problem because it means that um it means that people can be put away for an extremely long time for doing something very small like the like the sentence the sentencing is very um It can be concise most of the time, but a lot of the time it can be very, um, imprecise. And this is what a lot of people hate about the criminal justice system right now. Sometimes the punishment is just too large.
1: Yeah. Um, I was looking at a case the other day where, um, there was this black man and he attempted to steal, um, something from like a store. I don't know what it was, but then he got, um, sentenced, um, put away for life. And I was like, like I know like attempted to steal like he didn't even steal anything yet you know what I mean and like he was put away for life and I'm like that that's not really fair because um a lot of kids like uh, attempt to steal stuff and they make stupid mistakes but I don't think that you should be shed away for life um especially when we have other people committing literal um, felonies like um, sexual assault and um, murder and things like that. But they don't, most often than not, they don't get a life sentence. And I really thought that that was unfair.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think that too, like with the justice system, there are certain areas of problems and circumstances where, you know, justice is served and then justice is not served in the way that it should have been you know what i mean like it it should have been a shorter period of time for that person and you know there also may have been like a, a racial stereotyping behind that individual why they went to jail for centuries now our laws have failed at properly protecting women and children from predators as well as People of race from having a longer sentence. There's a majority of males who are in place of legal authority, and that can affect how women are represented in the legal system. This can affect the outcome of male predators being rightfully convicted. And in fact, up until the 1980s, it was nearly impossible for a man to be found guilty of rape on the evidence alone and a woman's rape testimony was considered incoherent untrustworthy that the crown needed independent supporting confirmation before an individual could be found guilty of the offense these rules had the effect of essentially allowing predators of horrendous crimes to be set free and as a result the government reviewed in the issues about sexual abuse of women and children and the law and the criminal code underwent a significant revision and declared that under the new law the offense would be treated as a form of assault and it can also affect how race is represented in the legal system because there Mm -hmm. isn't enough women and there isn't enough yeah
1: certainly um it when there's not enough uh, representation it becomes a situation where um uh you're very selective which with um, whose voices you actually hear and pay attention to. But when there's um, adequate representation, you um, kind of listen to more. And I feel like um, consistency plays a big factor for justice in the justice system, right? Because um, if some people are benefiting, benefiting uh, from like this inconsistency and some people are at a total disadvantage, it's not necessarily um, justice, right? And we're seeing this as some members of society are being mistreated by an institution, which is like the law enforcement, the justice system, which is built for structure, order, and stability, right? Their right to equality under the law is being violated because race, gender, and identity is at play when determining a sentence, when all that should really determine a sentence is the crime, the surrounding details, and circumstances of that crime. Mm -hmm.
2: Exactly. They have a set of rules. They need to follow them.
1: Yes, and I was looking into um, Black slash white sentencing disparities, and uh, I found that it increased after the, the Supreme Court's decision and the United States v. Booker um, case in 2005 that ultimately um, gave judges more choice when it came to sentencing right they it turned mandatory sentencing guidelines um advisory and not necessarily a requirement allowing them to pass harsher or more lenient sentences than was necessary
2: it was a really big mistake when it came to the judging system
1: yeah and um kind of just normalizing um speaking out when you're when you feel like uh you know you're um receiving like an unfair sentence you know like for example with the charter and rights of freedoms when you feel like your right has been violated you can um kind of uh speak out about that and um you know see if you can see if it's like uh if um it really you know you go to court and they um use the evidence and then they analyze if like the right has actually been violated and then uh, they do something about it right Uh, according to uh, the executive director of the sentencing project uh, there is more to it than um, judges just uh, passing harsher or more lenient sentences and actually decisions by federal prosecutors or like crown attorneys are also influencing the inconsistency when they seek a charge carrying a mandatory minimum sentence he also mentions um, that whether consciously or not prosecutors are likely to charge african americans with such charges um, than white people and as we've learned cognitive biases and prejudices do not have to be enacted consciously to be Able to exist right and i think it's really important to note that this inconsistency is only leading to problems with selective disadvantages disadvantages selective to certain groups within society like especially black people um, it leads to ruined lives and an unjust justice system so a study in 2014 conducted um by the university of michigan law school actually found that black offenders were 75% more likely to face a charge with a mandatory minimum sentence than a white offender who committed the exact same crime. And um, for example, in the case with um, Tanya McDowell, who was a homeless mother and she lied about the school district she lived in, so her six-year-old daughter, um, six-year-old son could go to a better school, was sentenced to five years in jail. Right. And it was just lying about an address, basically like swapping it out. And I feel like um, when it comes to school, your address basically um, is for emergencies in case, um, you know, something happens to your child and they need or they need to go to your home to like, you know, check on you or like, you know, basically know where you are. Right. Um, then we have the issue with uh, the case with Felicity Huffman, who's a wealthy actress and she paid um, fifteen thousand dollars to cheat her daughter's way into college basically paying um someone to change her uh, her SAT score answers right and she was sentenced to 14 days in jail and I feel like that is a way um, bigger crime than simply like swapping out your address right and yet her she was sentenced in jail for like two weeks and um, yet Tanya was sentenced to five years. So we see like a higher sentence for a minor crime in comparison to um, Felicity, who is clearly white, um, but now Tanya is black, and she was she received like a higher sentence.
2: Yeah, I'd have to definitely say that discrimination plays a big part in how um, the jury and the judge decide your sentence. For example, looking back at my topic of wrongful conviction, discrimination also plays a massive part in putting the wrong person in jail. Usually people will sus- usually people will be biased based on your gender, your race, um, your religion, your skin color, everything like that. Like yeah. most people... Like, most people who are wrongfully convicted due to their um, religion, For example, if you're Muslim or something like that, and yeah. or if you're black, or if you're um, a guy or a girl in certain situations, people will see you as more of a possible target, and they'll mm-hmm. look past the more unlikely suspects because they believe that you've done it because of the way you look or the way you act.
0: I totally agree with you, Alex, that the perceptions that the judges can have on the defendant can affect as well as influence the outcome of the case. Racism and discrimination is profound in the criminal justice system, and it's morally wrong. It's a violation of the principle of equality. The principle of equality requires that those who are equal be treated equally and that race should not be relevant in the consideration of the court's assessment.
2: I'd also have to say that power is... I'd also have to say that people are taking their power, um, they're abusing it, and it's wrong. Like, once again, Mm -hmm. going back into my topic, I find that um, the police, the judge, the jury, all of their peers, most of the time, when people are forced into making a false confession in which they, like, confess that they've done the crime, even though that they didn't do it, just so that way they could get everybody off their back, the police are basically forcing them into doing that by applying pressure... Um, By making threats, by staking claims, everything like that. And it inevitably tricks the innocent into confessing for a crime that they haven't done. Um, They also, the police also use like their power in the um, law system to make small identification errors. It can cause them to make small identification errors, like when it comes no. to um, DNA processing, um, fingerprint processing, and this can inevitably lead to the wrong person being put in jail, all because that they won't consider everything that they found.
0: Yeah, I agree that um, it has the law has to do a lot with society and society's values at the time, also, right? Because when you look back in the um, justice system and how so many individuals of um, race of black ethnicity have been put into jail um, because of, you know, certain uh, stereotypes and certain things saying that it was that person and it was that person because of their race. And when actually, you know, the truth and it was, you know, not because it was not because of what they did, it was actually because of their race and that they wanted to, to send them away to jail. And that also brings me back to, you um, my topic of society's ideology of women. And um, when sexual assault happens within the workplace, society can, you know, turn a blind eye and basically start um, victim blaming, it's called. And that's where they ask, well, what was she wearing? What, What was she doing that night? Why would she go out with that individual? And then instead of asking those questions to the perpetrator, they ask the questions to the victim. So they turn it on its head to basically say that it was the victim who who caused um, herself to be sexually harassed. It was her fault. And when actually it's not, and you should actually be asking the question of, well, why is this allowed to get away within the justice system? Why do people allow you know, these individuals to, to victimize? And why has it been now for, histories and like so many time periods where, you know, in the justice system where they've um, wrongly convicted people of race, and that they've also not rightfully convicted the people who have been perpetrating women and who have been out there and who have been sexually assaulting um, women in the workplace. And this brings me to like scandals like the Harvey Weinstein case or Matt Lahr or Bill Cosby. And it was basically the Me Too movement who then led um you know women to be able to publicly say me too this happened to me as well this is this is an issue we need to look at and i think that's what you know, how our topics align is that, you know, people need to understand what's going on and need to start doing something about it because it's not going to change if we just state the facts and say, this is this and this is how it's happening. We need to actually take that step forward as a community and say, you know, this is how we implement change. We, we train judges and juries to understand, you know, the side of what it could be like um, to be a a black individual in that situation. Or we, we, um, you know, train judges and juries to understand you know this is what it's like to be a sexual harassment victim and this is the repercussions they feel and this is why they don't want to come forward these people in power have caused other people to be wrongfully convicted or not to be convicted at all
1: for sure and i feel like uh as you mentioned about the victim blaming and how oh what was she wearing like you know was she like um basically um wearing anything that would um provoke the person or like the man to kind of um assault them right and i think that's a big problem because and especially in the charter of rights and freedom we uh we have um security and like liberty of the person like you're your own person you're not wearing anything for everyone for anyone else you exist um as yourself and for yourself, right? So it shouldn't ne- depend on like what you're wearing because you are your own person and you you have the right to say no to certain things that you um don't want essentially, right? So if if we have uh security and liberty of the person, you know, and we're allowed to wear what we like, um yet victim blaming like exists in the justice system as well, then that technically violates that right that we have like not only do they receive like pressure from like the police and everything they feel pressure from the public we have people Mm -hmm. wanting and pushing for justice when they may or may not know um the whole story or the entirety of what's going on like as we see with um the central park five they were experiencing like death threats and harassment um people standing outside their homes or reporters and everything like that um as their trial was going on. And um, it really, like as a um, preteen or like a teenager in, in your um, early years, that's definitely intimidating. It's, um, there's a lot of pressure and it's threatening, right? And it will do a lot to your mental state.
2: Which is really strange because I find that a lot of people nowadays, they don't entirely care of the information that they're being given on the case. They just care about this guy's the prime suspect. He deserves to be in jail. They don't know everything about it.
1: For sure. And um, coming back to uh, my point about um, to like different sentences, we have, like, a higher sentence for a minor crime in comparison, um, that definitely connects back to equality and equity, which is equality is, like, um, you know, that consistency, like, everyone's treated the same, which means that if you have, um, like, similar crimes uh you know there should be some kind of consistency there like there shouldn't be one that shoots up by like five years and then one is just like a few days that shouldn't be happening and you know we need equity we need um that fairness right
2: yeah and actually um loss of information and not caring about information can actually go back to a little story that happened in um that happened in two in 1998 and it um, has now come across again in July 2020 where a man named Jonathan Irons was the prime suspect for the shooting of a homeowner and at that time the police didn't consider all consider all of the information they didn't check the fingerprints on the gun so they blatantly ignored. Um, they blatantly ignored who wielded the weapon. They just took the. They just took the homeowner's word for it because the homeowner said that the assailant was a black man. So they automatically assumed that he's the prime suspect. They didn't even check the fingerprints. Didn't go through all the evidence. There's just like he's guilty. And guess how long he had to be in jail for? I want you both to take a guess, Ashley. Um, eight years.
1: Twenty-five.
2: Um, very close to twenty five. He spent twenty two years in jail.
1: Oh man!
2: All because they forgot to check the fingerprints on the gun.
0: Yeah, that's um, you know, a very serious uh, scenario where they don't check all the evidence, and that also links back to what I was um going to also talk about. Is just that with sexual harassment cases in Canada, um. I learned that actually there are um, rape that happens in the workplace. And one of the problems is that for with the evidence is rape kits are not always accessible at every hospital. And a rape kit is essential to when talking about a rape case and a sexual harassment case because when you have a rape case that um, has been caused by sexual harassment, right? Cause rape falls under the same topic um, <laughs> and that evidence they don't they don't have access with that they don't have access to that piece that can help prove their evidence that they were raped and that this person needs to be convicted and that's you know wrong that we don't have we don't have people we don't have authorities looking at the evidence correctly but we also don't have authorities providing um those resources to help with the evidence in court so i think that's important
1: true i agree um for example, going back to the Central Park Five case, um, I'm pretty sure that there was um, semen on the victim's clothing, and it, it didn't match any of the, um, the boys. However, later on, they decided to actually like, check, and they found that it matched um, somebody else, and then they realized that that's when they had convicted wrongfully. Um, the wrong boys. And I feel like they were mainly um, looking at like their skin color and all this prejudice that comes with um, uh, and stereotypes that comes with being um, a Black male, right?
2: Right. I definitely have to say that discrimination is a massive problem in all three of our categories. And heck, even the world in general. Discrimination should be a thing of the past, but no, there are people that are still keeping it alive today. And it's putting a lot of the wrong people in jail. It just needs to stop. But the question is, will will the authorities be able to change their mindset to where they can help make it stop?
1: for sure and um back to my statistics um black male offenders were actually less likely by 21.2 percent than white male offenders to um receive like a lesser sentence which is like something of a plea deal during um 2012 to 2016 which is what's making the racial disparities larger right when judges do reduce black male sentences um their sentences were 16.8% longer than white male offenders who received um, one, right? So in other words, they do so um, in smaller amounts, right? And when it came to the applicable sentencing guidelines range, there was a 7.9% difference between black male offenders and white male offenders, right? And according to the same source, the US Sentencing Commission Violence in an offender's criminal history does not account for the democratic um, differences in sentencing, right? So it comes out of a place of um, racism and discrimination, right? We're also seeing that female offenders of all races receive shorter sentences than white male offenders during 2012 to 2016. So it kind of goes both ways.
0: Yeah, there should be requirements in place for judges to follow and to help guide them to give an appropriate sentencing. And like the new sexual harassment bill, the Department of Justice of Canada, it has been put in place to help judges know how to properly handle a sexual harassment case. The bill is aimed towards guiding judges to make their judgments and sentencing fair and free of stereotypes. And I believe if there were a bill in place for judges to be trained on wrongful conviction, that that could help decrease the amount of people who are wrongfully convicted. Yeah.
1: And the idea here is that according to the rule of law, the law applies to everybody and nobody is above the law. Right, however, when we lose consistency and correspondence with existing laws, mandatory sentences, and people are being underpunished and overpunished for their crimes, it's not really the law, it becomes arbitrary and selective, where some people benefit and others don't, which is more or less conflict theory. There is a power imbalance because power, the ability to act or to refrain from acting, is being abused and used to discriminate against people going through the justice system. This connects to power and authority, which goes hand in hand because. Because when power is being abused, it is often under the guise of legal authority, one's legal right or vested responsibility to do something. In this circumstance, giving judges more discretion in something allows for racism and discrimination um, to influence and corrupt these sentencing decisions. When the rule of law is compromised, the law isn't too effective because it's arbitrarily changing, right? So we need that consistency for an effective justice system so that um, justice is served and nobody is benefiting from the system more than others.
2: Exactly. I'd also have to say that power bleeds into the rule of law and democracy because um, when you're in court, there are usually two factors at play. There's the laws that actually have to do with the case, and then there are the people's um, stories, the people's um, view of the case. So there's democracy, which is the choice of everybody who's present in the court, and then there's the rule of law in which the laws that apply to everyone. But most of the time, with the Judge the police and everybody who's just completely against, um, who's just completely against crime in general. The rules don't really apply anymore. People just believe that um, if they work together, they can just put. Uh, Innocent man or a guilty man—it depends on how they believe it—in jail. So the law, the rule of law, is just thrown out the window, and democracy is the only thing that remains. But democracy relies on rule of law, but apparently people don't think about that anymore, which is why a lot of um, innocent people end up thrown in jail or um, getting incarcerated, executed, everything like that.
1: To some of the things we talked about today, we discussed incarceration through the lens of inconsistent sentencing and we connected that back to the legal concept of the rule of law, power and authority, and equality and equity.
2: We also talked about wrongful conviction and how discrimination, false confession, false confessions, and identification errors when it comes to evidence can play a big part in putting the wrong people away. This also connects to rule of law, democracy, equality and equity, power and authority, and rights and justice.
0: In addition, we also spoke upon issues within sexual harassment and the legal system and the workplace and how it should be um, rights and duties and law and justice as well as power and authority. And we also discussed sexual harassment in the workplace and how the criminal law system needs to change. Thank you for
1: tuning in and on episode one of Where's the Justice?
0: And uh, is gonna end us off with a quote. Now I wanna leave you all with this quote to think about by Martin Luther King. In the end, what will hurt the most is not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends has a distinctive connection to all of our topics and how we cannot be silenced. We cannot have silence. We need to speak up and how we speak up is we take that step forward by making changes within the law system and having rightful justice.
2: So until next time, this has been Alex ashley and xena and we will see you all next time peace out